0: Welcome to An Amazingly Ordinary Life, the podcast that takes a behind-the-scenes look at the world of special needs. I'm Sherry Tharp, an Autism On, and your host. Join me each week as we share our lives, build community, and redefine normal. This is An Amazingly Ordinary Life, episode number nine. Today I'll be talking with Matt and Ashley Meads, and we'll be discussing their daughter who is on the autism spectrum. Matt and Ashley, hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day, your busy schedule to come on the podcast. Let's go ahead and jump right in and go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you got going on and where things are at.
1: I'm Matt. Nothing really special about me. I'm in the Air Force, active duty. Been there for about 14 years. So it's a pretty good career. I can't complain too much.
2: I'm Ashley. We've been married for about eight years this coming year, and I'm a stay at home mom. Our daughter's five. So I've been a stay at home mom for the past five years. And then before that, I was in property management up in Seattle.
0: And what's your daughter's name? Her name is Reagan. And she's your only child, right? Yep. Yes.
1: She's five, and she's a
0: Spitfire. Spitfire. <laughs> So why don't you tell me a little bit about what's going on with Reagan?
1: She's officially on the spectrum of autism. Definitely, I'd say the lower end of it. I think that's what the doctor said also.
2: Her official diagnosis is level two autism.
1: But it's definitely more developmental and social. I started to explain like comparatively what that is.
2: To us, it just seems like she has a delayed amount of speech, so she definitely wants to communicate with us. Her finding the words is very hard, as well as her articulating words. We haven't noticed a stutter or a slur, but it is definitely harder for her to say different words or even a few letters put together that we've noticed more than others. And then her cognitive development right now at the age of five is behind and
0: we're noticing it a little bit more. Tell me when you first started noticing that something was off with Reagan.
1: It's kind of been a developing thing. So
0: to set the scene actually back a little bit further, my
2: sister was pregnant first and then we actually found out that we were expecting and we were not trying. So she was a wonderful miracle. She actually was born premature. She was four weeks early. We had a difficult pregnancy and then a difficult labor and delivery as well. So we were told that since she was premature, she would be a little bit behind starting out, but we also didn't know where that would end. Like, okay, she would be behind for the first six months and then everything would catch up. Nobody gave us a number because they didn't know. And obviously neither did we being first time parents either. But slowly we started realizing that she was behind on every milestone. And then obviously what you're not supposed to do is compare her to other children. But since I had my nephew, it was so hard to not, not even just not compare, but my sister would say, oh, well, he's drinking this much milk. And we're like, well, she's sleeping through her feeding, so we have to wake her up. Or there's just huge differences right away.
1: Our children are only 10 days apart, so... While he was progressing and talking, Regan would be like, I don't know, a month behind walking, a month behind crawling, words, crawling, turning over. It just slowly developed more and more. And then I think we officially took her in, what, two or three? And yeah. that's, that's when they tested her.
2: At her two year appointment, the pediatrician noticed her speech and. We didn't really notice it because I think we had it in our minds that she still were clinging on to the premature. We didn't know how long that any type of a delay would last. Then we were sent to a birth to three class, pretty much. She would go to twice a week and it was supposed to help her with social and verbal skills. And that's when we got turned on to what autism was because we really didn't have any idea what it was, especially for a female and especially for that young. And then that's when we were advised to get her on a wait list to start the diagnosis program. And she was diagnosed officially by three
0: years old. So when you were at the birth to three, you said you were introduced to like the idea of autism. Was that something that you picked up just being there? Or was there somebody that observed her and said, hey, you might want to check this out? It was one of the teachers.
2: Now, looking back, I would say that we thank her a lot for noticing it so early on and not just assuming that it was specifically a speech delay or a hearing issue or anything like that. She did promptly bring it up. I specifically was in denial of anything, and the way that it was brought up was more brass, then I thought that some type of a diagnosis would be brought up to a parent, again, especially a first-time parent. So I walked into this class thinking that she would get social skills and be able to improve her speech. And let's see, the second class, so the teacher knowing her only for about four hours, not even individually, in a class full of other kids her age, I was pulled aside and said that we should put her on a wait list to get her diagnosed and I was completely offended. I was taken back. I probably took it, I did take it the wrong way, but I also still to this day don't think it may not have been worded properly enough to us being as ignorant as we were, but I definitely do appreciate her force and follow through now.
0: It is hard too though, if you don't have that anywhere on your radar, to then right. throw that in the mix. And this is a woman probably just, she sees it all day, every single day, and it's right. just second nature to her. So yeah, that would be a little hard to not be offended by that.
2: Yeah, I remember I was ready to be upset and talk to her boss, and yeah, I was very, very
0: upset. Your inner mama bear was coming out?
2: Oh, yes. hard, yeah. yes, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> so
0: if you were that offended and you thought that she was wrong, what was the trigger or what prompted you to go ahead and sign her up?
1: We were hesitant because, you know, our ideas of autism is like hate to stereotype it, but it's the shaking and the extremely difficult to communicate. Not so. even that.
2: It was like even just how the media would portray it. So it's like you automatically assume that there's a Rain Man type of cast on it. and Yeah, not what we saw our daughter as
1: yeah and i think it's always like biased you know like not to be offensive but it's like oh not my daughter no way that can't happen and then eventually you know it's like the seven stages like anger yes acceptance yeah and you're like okay yeah maybe there is you know something larger going on here than what we're just trying to be ignorant to so we're like okay yeah maybe maybe it's time to see if we can't help her out in the way she needs to be helped out
2: well, I actually remember it the same, but also a few steps back a little bit differently. I actually remember you kind of being the the one that was like, Ashley, let's just, let's follow through with it. Because if she did get tested and she didn't have it, then boom, there's our answer. If she did get tested and she does have it, then boom, we have our answer. I essentially did not want to move forward with it because I didn't like the what if. I didn't want to know. Matt was, well, we're either going to have a definitive yes or a definitive no. And either way, we don't love her any less. There's nothing wrong with her. We're going to be able to assist her in any need necessary. So he's actually the one that kicked it into gear for me on following through with the initial testing in the first place. And then, yes, the different stages of how to accept it and who accepted it at first. And,
0: it's those and, stages of grief.
2: Absolutely.
0: So, she got tested. Mm -hmm. They diagnosed her as being on the autism spectrum. You said Mm -hmm. level two, which I'm still having to familiarize myself with that because they didn't do the levels when my son was tested. But I kind of have an idea of how that all works.
2: So, level one is pretty much has taken the place of Asperger's. And then level two is obviously just a little bit higher. We were told that Reagan is a level one. She has Asperger's along with DDD, which is developmental delay disorder, or global delay disorder as well. She has all of the different delays, even milestones, like we said, from being born. So rolling over and walking and crawling and all that stuff, according to what pediatricians would want a child and specific ages to hit that milestone as she was nowhere near. But also with her speech delay, she does have a delay to go along with her autism as well. But we were told that she has level one verbally. We were told. And then that all of her doctors were going to go ahead and put her down on paper and on all documentation to be level two, to be able to open up any avenue of therapies that we would need in the future, instead of having to keep getting her quote, I guess, re-diagnosed or lower her diagnosis to be able to open up those doors. We just already have them open for us, which I personally don't see any difference with her being level one versus level two, except that they were right. The doors are more open for the higher in the levels
0: you go. Right. That's one of the things that I always disagreed with when my son was diagnosed. It was 17 years ago. And at that time, they wouldn't officially diagnose the kids until they were three. And that could be as much as a year, year and a half of wasted time getting services they could be getting therapy they could be working all of those things that you can't get without a diagnosis. So on the one hand you don't want your child to have a label but on the other hand give me that label if it means he's going to have help. I'm glad to know that there's a lot of doctors that have moved that age back and so I know that there's a lot of places that will diagnose as early as like 18 months.
2: Yeah. We really did get extremely lucky cuz the more and more research once we finally got her diagnosis. Once we had those, we found out how difficult it really is to diagnose a female with autism. So it's usually one in every 80 to 82 is diagnosed with autism or is autistic. And then if you take one out of every four of those, it's actually a girl. It's just very difficult. And then girls actually end up getting misdiagnosed with ADHD, ADD, sometimes even later on in life with eating disorders because they do have such aversions to foods and different types of oral fixations that it comes off as some
0: type of eating disorder
2: instead of it actually being an autistic trait.
0: i heard that there's a lot fewer females diagnosed and that it presents differently. Yes. Girls.
2: Yeah, females are very, very good at what's called masking their symptoms, which Reagan does extremely well. And especially if you spend time with her, you will notice it. Reagan loves to watch YouTube, for instance. And she will mimic almost word for word what these little boys will say. So she likes to watch little boys open toys, like those surprise eggs or um, whatever the new animated movie is. They'll have those toys. And so she will not only just mimic what they're saying, but one of the little boys that she watches has an accent. And she will nail that accent very well. And then when she's even around other children at like children's church, if one little girl is crying, she will imitate the crying. She will create tears. She's a very talented little actress. <laughs> so it's hard to, in the beginning, to differentiate what was actually her and what we could catch on to that she was acting out. But yeah, so masking is usually their best skill, which is why it's difficult to diagnose them early on, let alone at all.
0: So she did get diagnosed pretty early. You said two or three. Yes. So did she immediately get help? Did you have a delay in getting services for her? What services did you get?
2: It was great. We went straight from birth to three, and then we were turned on to the Puyallup School District, and she was immediately placed in a special needs early education preschool class with the actual school district. So she was in a elementary school.
1: Speech therapy.
2: And she also she had speech therapy through the school district. So she was given a certain amount of hours a week and then also over a quarter. And then we were also given speech on base yeah. as well, which was awesome. We were open up to get occupational therapy or OT therapy as well as behavioral therapy. We ended up just not being able to... Act on them right away. It had nothing to do with Reagan. My husband ended up having an injury at work, and we were not able to be stretched that thin. So we kept along with the speech therapy. She was going to preschool Tuesday through Friday, and she was in the AM preschool class. And so we were able to keep those. But as for starting up occupational therapy or even researching on which one would benefit her the most. And starting ABA therapy, the behavioral therapies, we did not have the opportunity to start those
0: up just yet. But it sounds like you had access to a lot of really good resources.
1: Yeah, definitely. We had access just not the capabilities really to take advantage of all of
0: Right. Which, you know what, that happens sometimes too. Sometimes insurance gets in the way or you don't have insurance and that causes problems. Sometimes it's a matter of, okay, both mom and dad work and how are we going to travel around all this time. I mean, I had three kids, Logan being the middle one and trying to figure out three different school schedules or therapy here and practices here. It gets tough.
2: Can only imagine. And then that's when I started to get some guilt. So it wasn't, it had nothing to do with Matt's injury. It was okay. I'm not, Participating in every single thing offered, that must mean that I'm a bad mom because I'm not giving her every single opportunity to learn and get the early intervention because it was pressed into our minds that, you know, their brain development is from birth to three and birth to five for certain things. And that early intervention is so important and it is true. But yeah, I was just beating myself up. About it, that we were giving her a lot at the time, but to me, in my head, it wasn't
0: enough. Mom guilt is a very real thing. Oh my gosh! Even yeah. when you have neurotypical kids, but throw in special needs child, and there will always be more that you could be doing, and you'll never be able to fit it all in. So all you can do is just go, okay, what's going to work for us? What's the most beneficial, and we'll deal with that.
2: I'm definitely still learning that I am. <laughs> He brings me down to earth. He
0: definitely does. It makes it easier to have a good supportive partner. That's for sure. 100%. Absolutely agree. So she's getting all this help. What was just a typical day in the life of Reagan?
1: So it's been almost two years. Her sleep pattern is just insane. So (laughs) she can wake up anywhere between midnight to 5 a.m. For the day. Yeah, for For the the day. day. So... I took on the night shift schedule, so I stay awake at night, catch her when she wakes up. She's extremely lackadaisical when she wakes up. you think she's still tired, but she, no, she'll have these random bursts of energy, she, <laughs> especially like she loves Ben and She'll go like, oh yeah, it's hero time. She'll like slap her arm and then like run back and forth all over the place.
2: She <laughs> likes to run in straight lines. Yeah.
1: But she's very, very cuddly, very loving, and she just loves to hang out. And then usually around six or so, I have to start getting ready for work. And so I'll wake up Ashley. And then that's when she pretty much has to take over.
2: Mm-hmm. And then up until it's actually been quite recent, since March, this past so March 2020, um, I'd actually have been taking Matt to and from work for about a year and a half. His injury that he had was his right foot, so he could not drive. So Matt would wake up with Reagan and Then about 6.30 or 7, I would wake up, and everybody would load into the car, and Reagan would get spoiled and would have usually a DVD playing, and it had to be the same movie too. (laughs) And uh, so we would take him all the way to base, turn right back around, come home, get her ready for school, drop her off at school. I think I would be about 10 minutes behind what her bus stop would be, so she wasn't able to ride the bus. And then i had pick her up that afternoon, put her down for a nap and have to rush her down. We rushed lunch as fast as possible to be able to get her down for her nap because we'd have to go and pick Matt up at work in the afternoon. So Monday through Friday, our days were pretty crazy. And then the weekends, we still had a schedule. We just didn't follow the time as much as we followed the actual concept of the routine itself. So she knew that you would wake up, spend time with daddy, then we all have family time together, then nap time, so on and so forth. But not as much as, okay, it's noon, Reagan, this is what's happening. Okay, it's 5 p.m., we're going to start getting ready. Things like that. A typical day, too, was filled with just complete uncertainty. I mean, it, she thrives off of routine it's been a struggle having to fit in everybody's schedule into one car and being able to take care of everybody at once, but it was such a huge positive for her because we had to be so strict on the schedules to keep every cog moving, and to make sure that he was on time, she was on time, doctors, appointments, therapies, everything. So it was stressful, but man, did she thrive. So you would wake up every morning and just hope that the day would go by so great. But I remember one time I had a doctor's appointment and she had gone with me before, but we were in a parking garage that time and I beeped the car to lock it and the it went beep, beep, like, you know, the horn freaked her out. She fell to the ground, started crying And it was something that I just wasn't prepared for because we had done it so many times before. And it was just when I hit the button, like I must have done it sooner than I had every other time. Yeah.
0: There's just no knowing sometimes. Absolutely
2: not. Absolutely not. Or if we know she loves the pink cake pops from Starbucks. So if she has a bad day, well go through the drive through and get her these cake pops and you think you're the hero. You're like, look at what I got you. I got you
0: these cake pops. And then she's "No, thank you, mommy. It's (laughs) tough when they change things up like that. Oh my gosh. For Logan, there's been things here and there that he's really liked. And so we've been able to use those as rewards. Mm -hmm. Well now for the last, I don't know how many years, the only thing that means anything to him is playing video games and so I've talked to my husband and said if he ever stops wanting to play video games we've got, no do? <laughs> <laughs> we've got nothing we have no leverage after that
2: her is water she could live in water I think she's a mermaid or fish
0: see that's why she's having a struggle here now is because really she's a mermaid at heart and trying to figure out how to be a mermaid in this landlocked body that's what how
2: dare we keep here we crying. go It's our fault.
0: Oh, man. So what has been your biggest struggle through all this?
1: It's definitely been communication. Like the biggest is since beginning of this year, she tripped and fell over one of her toys and she had hurt her arm. We didn't know. The only way we knew was that she would say, ouch or cry more than usual because whenever she does get hurt, you know, she'll fake cry or, say, ouchie. Well, this time I could tell something was super off about it because she kept holding on to one spot. And it's just the need to like, Reagan, what's wrong? Can you tell me? And she mm. just repeats, Reagan, what's wrong? Can you tell me? And then you just you don't know how to help her. So, I mean, your worst case scenario is like, great. I don't know what to do. I don't know if she's okay. I don't have to go spend like the next seven hours in the ER because we just don't know. Yep. So, you know, we ended up taking her to the ER and she had like a minuscule fracture and one of the bones of her arm, she wore a cast. And and then even like wearing the cast and giving her a bath.
2: Oh, my gosh. It's like, you
1: can't, you can't put it in the water. Otherwise, we have to go back. And she just didn't understand because she, she just wanted to go
2: whoop. Yeah, she just wanted to dip it in, into the and then, water. And we've just been very lucky recently. Yeah. She would parrot all of our words. And I know that there's a specific term, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's like echolalia. 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 Thank you. Yeah. So she would always, Matt, or I would ask her, does your tummy hurt? Tummy hurt? Is that a yes or a no? Yes or no? And it was never an answer. It hurt us that she couldn't answer us because we know that somehow to her, that was an answer. And then on top of it, Matt and I both have very high tolerance for pain, but so do autistic children, at least as much as I have read. She's had an ear infection before that's been days until we've caught it, and we only caught it by a fever, and so we know how to keep our eyes out for those, because she's gotten those three or four times now already. But yeah, Matt knew right away with her arm that there really was something wrong, because her fake cry is dead on. We only know, I think, because we're her parents. If it was a babysitter, they would have been blowing up our phone that she was horribly crying.
1: Or or nowadays, she's like, I'm crying. Oh, he, I'm crying.
2: Mommy,
0: see, I'm crying. <laughs> the tears, okay. I'm you. crying. Yes, so she does that. have some spontaneous language now then. She comes up with her yeah. own words.
1: Definitely, she's like, leaps and bounds from where she was she can ask for peanut butter chips or Mm -hmm. food she is getting better with like what she wants to watch like scooby-doo or rio
2: she has words for specific movies so if we don't write them down like for a babysitter or even for each other for instance there's a new youtube video again she watches these little boys and they post new videos every week or every day And she has her own words for them. So this one apparently was this little boy playing with a magic wand and somehow the wand had bubbles, whatever. So she's saying the word over and over and over to me and I did not understand it. I even went through the history on our YouTube channel to try to see if she would acknowledge the photo and she didn't. Matt was wonderfully taking a nap because she had been up at three or something that morning and I was so close to waking you up just to ask you what this video was, because she was so adamant about it. She wasn't getting angry. It wasn't the beginning of a meltdown, but she was very adamant that she was using the right words. And it was me who wasn't understanding. Of course, obviously. And then finally I just kept repeating it over and over again. And I guess I just kind of caught on to it myself and found the video and it took 10 minutes. And that's like a long time for her to keep saying it and going over and over. And that it didn't lead to a meltdown was just astonishing to me because she was
0: getting kind of upset. She probably just figured if she taught you long enough, then eventually you would learn. (laughs) And I did. And she's right, I guess. (laughs) So you said that she was a surprise. Yes. Do you plan on having more children? You don't have to answer this if you don't want to.
1: I... (sighs) Ashley constantly has the stereotypical mom baby fever. She's just a little baby. She's like, oh my God, oh my God. But her pregnancy was so rough and we're just so uncertain with what Reagan will have in the future that we just don't.
2: It does kill me to say it. Like we do, at the end of the day, we do agree on it. We'll joke about it that he's way on the far, far side of no and I'm like just barely there. But yeah, my pregnancy was tough. I was diabetic and then I didn't have preeclampsia, but my blood pressure was so far through the roof. I was hospitalized every Friday because that was my test. Mm. Um, I was in labor for 72 hours and then it just led to an emergency C-section anyway. It was a very hard pregnancy. I wouldn't change it for the world, obviously, but it's something that I forget about to be honest. So I do get the baby fever, and I'll see a baby. Reagan's five, and she's tall, and all I want to do is just cuddle her. And I can't as much anymore. And it makes okay. Good, give me another baby. Let me get that that babiness again. Let me smell the head. Oh my gosh, it just yes, the baby great. smell. They smell amazing. <sighs> I don't know what it is. If I could and, just bottle that, I would oh my gosh, in there. That would just be amazing. (sighs) So, I mean, we, we wanted to have two when we first got married. And then, yeah, the pregnancy itself is what would deter us again. But also, we don't want to limit Reagan, but we also don't want to limit ourselves. And we don't want a second child to have potentially... Suffer in some part of the upbringing.
0: Right. That's a valid concern. Yeah. Because I can tell you with my daughter, we realized when she was about four years old, four, that she had learned she could pretty much do whatever <laughs> as long as she was quiet and kept under the radar because of her <laughs> older brother needing so much attention and she had another brother on top of that. So that took us a little while to figure out and then to rein it back in was tough. So it is, I mean, that's a really valid concern. Having a daughter with autism, how has that affected your marriage? Honestly, I'd say it's
1: made us a hundred times stronger. I don't want to say that having a child with autism like limits you socially, but it really does. So more often than not, you're relying upon your partner more than anything to communicate, to be your inventor. You're not going out as much. You know, I think we've gone to movies maybe once a year. (laughs) So, I mean, even before this, we were just limited, so limited on what we could do because, you know, we're just like, oh, what if this happens or that happens, especially Ashley, she would just, what if everything? And then, even when we would have Ashley's mom watch her, she'd be like, okay, well, we need to prepare like a to-go bag and then like I need to list down all the food she eats or like oh, yeah. a specific YouTube video she needs to watch or what happens in this case scenario. Like,
2: I'd give mom a binder.
1: She's like prepping for Doomsday other than she's yep. watching our daughter for yep. four hours. Or let
2: alone hour. her granddaughter, not just our daughter. It's so, like she knows, she loves I it. I
1: mean, it's definitely, there's definitely like, trying times you know getting into arguments but i say more often than not it just really improved our marriage i would say more than anything
2: i agree i mean the lack of communication on her side caused us to need to communicate a hundred times better between us and for her if that makes any sense since since she couldn't tell us what she ate that day We would literally text each other about how many spoonfuls of peanut butter she ate or she's still, she's five. She's still in her pull-ups. So we still ask, you know, does she have a poopy? If so, what's the consistency? (laughs) How many glasses of milk has she had today? Like So much stuff that people with a neurotypical child of the age of five doesn't have to ask this stuff anymore, or at least to the extent that we do. I think it could really make or break a marriage. Absolutely. And we've had some fights, especially in the early on, which we still are early on. But just the fact that we were able to make it through that and that the fights that we had were based off of our opinion that we had her best interest at heart, which we both agree that we do. Our opinions are just different.
0: Well, and you made a really good point about, it's true that having a child with special needs does tend to limit you socially because people don't get it, or it's such a hassle to try to get out of the house. And again, you don't know what's going to trigger meltdowns. But the fact that you have turned to each other to be that person that you can vent to and talk to and communicate with, it's so important. And like you said, Ashley, it can make or break. relationship. And sadly, the divorce rate among people who have special needs children is huge. And that just adds that much more strain on your relationship. So it's good to see that has brought the two of you closer together.
2: Thank you. We're both very big mental health. And I wouldn't say advocates because we're not so outspoken about it. We don't have this huge platform that we use. But we do know that her autism is her diagnosis, but it's also the ripple effect with us. So we do have a stronger marriage and we do understand all that about ourselves, but we also do regularly go to couples counseling and we do it voluntarily. We would like to be able to go to couples counseling when we want to improve, not when an issue is already there. Right. That's what has been our goal always.
0: good. You mentioned that your mom will babysit Ashley, so is your family pretty supportive? Yes,
2: our family is supportive. We just, my mother recently moved away, so we actually don't have any family here right now, since as mentioned earlier, Matt is active duty, so his family is actually in the South, so they're not in Washington, and then also us being able to trust somebody to watch Reagan for a date night or things like that. It's kind of out of the question,
0: but that's a hard thing to do. I totally back you up on that one. Gosh.
2: I would say that our families are supportive. I think that some have devoted more of their personal time for research and purposefully trying to understand not just what autism is, but Who Reagan is on the spectrum because it's a spectrum of
0: spectrums.
2: I mean, it's every child
0: is different. It's good that you have some people who are willing to do that because that's a lot to ask of anybody. It's not just, oh, hang out with my child and get to know her, but it's also get to know all the quirks and all the triggers and all the other things and take some time out of your day for stuff that you wouldn't normally do and research or looking at things. So if you have anybody willing to do that, I think that's a blessing.
2: Thank you, I agree.
0: Okay, I'm gonna change topic here a little bit and I wanna ask you, can you tell me a time where maybe things were especially difficult or maybe you just felt really, really low, things just kind of felt dark for you? There's yeah.
1: definitely been a few times. There's one time we had like a three-year appointment for Reagan and uh, we were running super late so Ashley actually dropped me and Reagan off at the front of the hospital to go in there. So we get like halfway down the hall. It's like this huge open area. It's so beyond crowded every single day. So we get halfway down the hall, Reagan starts freaking out cause she knows where we're going and mommy's not there. So she runs and like just top of her lungs, Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween screaming <laughs> and everyone's just staring at me and I'm hobbling along as fast as I can behind her while she just runs in and out of the crowd. And This is in
2: the middle of his injury, so he couldn't so, chase after her. Yeah, anything. so
1: my, my foot's in a boot, so I'm just, like, kind of clunking along like a pirate. And, like, I just see every single person staring at me, like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? What's wrong with your kid? Why are you injured? What's going on? And I'm just like, Ugh, I just want to turn away from the whole situation and just walk away because I'm just, it, you know, it gets overbearing. You know, whenever she does have those, like, yelps or something, there will be the the snide comment, oh, somebody's upset, or, oh, somebody's loud. It's like, yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you. You you don't hear this, like, 10 feet away from you in the bathtub while you're trying to get her out.
0: (laughs) Right. Those comments are always so helpful.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, it's just – it's. I'd say it, it, you have your highs and lows. There are times when she'll say like, "I love you, Daddy," like unasked, unasked, unasked unpushed, unasked, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you just feel like wow, that's my heart. And there are other times where she's like scratching your face because you're trying to put kisses on her. Oh my in gosh! The middle of potty training. So I mean, yeah. the good outweighs the bad, definitely, but the bad definitely brings you down. Let's yeah. say, more.
2: We recently, this past year, we found out about Santa photos that can be in the mall that are spectrum-oriented. So they usually take place closer at the beginning of the month of December. Mm -hmm. So not 2019 December, but 2018 December, we missed the cutoff because I didn't hear about it until after the fact. So we went to the South Center Mall, and we paid extra to get an actual time slot instead of waiting in the line for Santa and Matt hates being on time because on time is late. So we showed up a little bit early and still to me, I didn't want to do that because she'd end up waiting in line. I wanted it to make it as seamless as possible. And of course they were behind and we were waiting in line. And of course they probably thought about it for marketing reasons, but they put Santa they set it up right across from the Disney store oh, So we wanted to go in there and it was it turned into bloody murder I we were both dripping in sweat and I don't always have the control uh, I'm very patient with her most of the time It's when somebody wants to say something about my child is when I go crazy I have absolutely no gray area. I just go from one extreme to the other. And somebody pretty much loudly said, well, they should just take their kid out of here. They just need to leave. Oh no. That didn't work with me. And we stayed. And then I kind of may have said comments. Yeah, I said comments, but we stayed. And then Again, we paid for a time slot and the person who said the comment was waiting in line, like the regular line. So when they saw that we were getting pulled up next and they had technically been waiting longer, which is true, they wanted to say something else like, oh, so if your kid just yells and screams, then they get to go sooner. And I handled it actually quite well, in my opinion, because it's what I wanted to do. And I...
0: If she's still living, you've handled it great.
2: (laughs) She is still living, and okay, good. I did handle it great. There
0: you go. Everybody walked away in one piece, then you did an amazing yeah. job.
2: It was because of him. If he's not there, usually I can't control myself. So, like, that's, for instance, Matt and I have each had these huge out-in-public instances, but I think one of my biggest lows was actually Halloween.
1: Yeah, I was mean, going to
2: Go ahead. I don't
1: I hate to put Ashley sort of on blast, but in the back of her head, I think she always tries to attain the stereotypical family, like white picket fence. You know, Reagan's going to dress up every year for Halloween. She's going to have a blast. I'll have a great picture. Yeah, she'll have a great picture. Last year, Reagan didn't want to dress up. Reagan barely went to two or three houses and actually broke down because that's not what she envisioned in Mm -hmm. her head. And I think it's one of the most challenging things i think is to accept that you know you're never gonna have the norm i mean regardless of whether you have a special needs kid or not you're kind of at their mercy like if she doesn't want to go out then she's not going to go out but just,
2: the yeah. halloween thing got me because she got a captain america costume she picked out her costume so again with the lack of communication We have been picking out her costumes for her. This was something that she did. She was so excited about. And then even if you go to my Facebook now, there is a picture of her in the Captain America costume posing out in our driveway. And that's because she decided one day that she wanted to wear it two weeks before Halloween. So I let her do dress up because we have some other costumes here that we do dress up with. So Halloween came and I was like, cool, this is going to be a breeze because she already wore it. She even put a mask on her face. This is all stuff that is so amazing and new to me. But in my head, I knew that that meant because she tried it on once that she's always going to do it. That's wrong. (laughs) So she absolutely refused to put on the costume. She absolutely refused to even go outside and just wear regular clothes and go trick-or-treating. Then she started to want to hand out candy at the door and then started to walk out the door but didn't have shoes on. Then when she needed shoes on to go trick-or-treat, she wouldn't. It turned into just a few hours of finally just getting her out the door after I had literally thrown the costume across the room in front of her, and fell on the floor and just lost it crying. Because in my mind at that moment, what I wanted, I thought wasn't a lot. And it's not a lot, but the night's not for me. The night's for her. So any way that she wants to enjoy it, that's how I should be happy. And all I was really concerned about was getting a good picture or seeing how The neighbors reacted to how cute my little girl was in her little tomboy Captain America costume. And so I was breaking down because she wasn't doing what, quote, the normal kids would do. And when I have to admit that on holidays, over and over and over again, you don't get 365 days to be able to work around that. It's smack dab in your face, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, You don't get these normal routine pictures or caroling moments or even Christmas mornings. And I still struggle with it and
0: I struggle hard. I think that's one of the hardest things to deal with when you find that you have a child with special needs. You're not just having to adjust the dreams you have for your family and your child. You're having to scrap all those and go, okay. Let's make a brand new plan. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we know that it's not going to look like what we envisioned and it's going to be completely different. And like what you said, your normal is just different, which part of the point of this podcast is for everyone to see that we all have different normals. And what's normal for neurotypical families or families who don't have a special needs child is fine for them. But among this community, our normal may include things like not going to birthday parties and doing holidays completely different and therapy and medications and no sleep schedule and diapers and pull-ups beyond the socially acceptable age. It's a completely different definition of normal. And if you've grown up in a house that was, as I've been saying, quote unquote normal, you have all these great traditions and you always want to continue that stuff on with your children But then there's just some things you can't do. And that can be really hard to accept. Yeah. I mean, I had
2: huge, huge Christmas traditions at my house growing up with my grandparents and my mom and my sister. And it was something I was so excited to do. And just to know that at least for now, it can't even be brought up or done because even now she cognitively doesn't understand it.
0: I understand that one. Yeah, man. So yeah. Let me ask you this. What have you found are your favorite moments with Reagan? What are the things that just really put deposits in your love bank with her?
1: I mean, the everyday, you know, I love you is amazing. Her voice. She always has like sayings she'll say like, oh, it's so cute. Or,
2: it's so cute. Yeah. She yeah. Was, she says it a specific
1: way. Or one of our favorite things to do now is like, we'll ask her, like, <laughs> "Hey, hey, Reagan, give me twenty dollars," and she'll laugh and she'll be like, "No," and it'll turn into like a Looney Tunes thing where you're like, "Yes," and she's like, "No," and you're like, "Yes," and she's like, "Yes," and you're like, "No."
2: Even when you have a door shut, she will whisper through the door frame, "Mommy, mommy, to have twenty dollars, <laughs> to have twenty dollars." <laughs>
1: Like, what are you going to spend 20 dollars? I
2: do know what that is. Now, one of my absolute favorites is I've noticed it does happen daily, but it's when it is so matter of a fact. But we do, again, with the research and we even get told that autistic children just are not very touchy-feely emotional people. And Reagan is so empathetic that it is it's just it amazes me because one time she made me upset when I was tucking her in and this was recently so I rushed through reading her books I rushed through singing her her songs so I leaned in to give her a kiss and she just goes mommy sad no happy mommy happy mommy oh and I said okay I mean if you apologize and you know we can work on a better tuck-in tonight. She goes, Okay, mommy happy now. And she hugs you and she'll just fiercely hold you. It's not a hug, it's a purpose driven hug. Yeah, it's... she
1: like buries her face into your shoulder and
2: Oh yeah. I mean she'll hurt you hugging you, <laughs> but it's worth it because that's how yeah. And when she kisses you, she kisses you forever and she's just a very wonderfully emotional child with the way that certain cognitive things don't click with her emotion is absolutely something she does not struggle with yes she recognizes love she recognizes Mm -hmm. fear even in in movies she cries even if the character isn't crying yet because she acknowledges that something powerful is happening
0: Empathy is so important for her to have, too. That's amazing. Yes, she's that's
2: my favorite, hands down.
0: And, uh, okay,
2: yeah, and watching her with water, she tried to climb into a exhibit at the zoo.
0: <laughs> what did she do?
2: We were at the Point Defiance Zoo in the aquarium side, and to the left, you could reach into a tank and touch the starfish, and then over to the right, it looks like a really low Pond that probably had other starfish in it, and Reagan just kept looking in, and then looking over at me, and then looking in. And as I was getting ready for her to look over at me, she just lifted those feet and went right it. I think she dunked part of her tennis shoe. By the time I had reached her and was able to <laughs> pull her back, and the best part is it was all recorded because I knew how much she liked water, so I was going to record it for Matt having her be at this aquarium. That's perfect. There it is, her trying to just get in there. And she would have if I wasn't fast enough. She jumps in puddles. Her first (laughs) Easter, she was in a white dress and tights, white tights and white shoes, and it was raining, and she decided to go puddle jumping in her dress and tights.
0: We laughed, so, I mean... What are you going to do? You have to. I mean, you have to laugh at moments like that.
2: Yeah, her in water. It makes her happy. It makes me happy.
0: So, special needs parents are incredibly good at not doing self care. When the overwhelm gets to be a little too much and you just are kind of feeling all that weight on your shoulders, what do you do to recharge and keep going?
1: Mine is always video games, usually, anything playing really.
2: Or you know that if you've had a hard day, you'll even tell me like, Hey, can I make sure to have a good like hour yeah, and be able to play my video game? Cause it was just a really hard day and I need to relax and release. And we do that for each other. Mine's music. I will put in my headphones and probably just lay on the floor or lay on the bed upstairs and just listen to my music or I sleep. i Do not do self care. I'm not good at it. I'll do whatever she wants first. Then I do what he wants. And then by the time there's an opportunity for me, not saying it all, he pushes me constantly to do things for myself. I just don't. So I sleep. I absolutely, that's my go to.
0: I find in general, us moms are very good at putting everybody else first and we get what's left over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have one last question. So to any families that are listening to this, that are just starting out in this journey of special needs and entering this fun new world, what (laughs) advice or encouragement would you give them?
1: Definitely patience is your ultimate thing. Patience, you can't really overstated enough because you really need to think about everything before you even act You need to think about like why is she crying why why is she looking at me like that what is what is going through her baby head you need to be able to sort of esp figure things out for her in order to garner some sort of the understanding to fulfill her needs it's really hard to do and you'll pick up like subtle nuances like a point or a shrug or a way she looks to you or a way she looks at the cupboard when she wants peanut butter. (laughs) But patience is definitely the utmost thing you can have. It'll take a lot of turmoil on you emotionally. It'll really break you down. You'll feel depressed. You'll feel alone, even if you have your spouse right there. But it's just a matter of driving yourself through those situations and moments in order to come out on top and not just leave yourself down in the dumps.
2: I completely agree. For me too, I would say start a email address for your child. So like first name, middle initial, last name at like Gmail or something, obviously to save them the email address. But I stopped doing the whole email side. Actually, I write it down. But write down any type of accomplishment. Like Reagan went to the bathroom on the potty yesterday, but she... Did not have to be asked. She actually stopped what she was doing and asked me if she could go on the potty. She went potty. She got a sticker. She was so excited. Has she done it since? No. Did it get written down and did I cry? Yes. (laughs) Uh, So it's if you are able to write down or even shoot out a quick email to technically yourself until they take over that email address, you get to see the improvement instead of just, okay, well, maybe about six months ago, her speech might've been around here. No, write down each word that is new or at least as many as you remember by the end of that day or by the end of that week, being able to look back and see progress is something you will need, not just want to have. But when you're having a bad week or if your child's having a bad developmental week, you will need to look at that. You will want to prove to yourself that it's worth it and that there is progress. It's not going to be every day, but there's progress. And to be able to see that and have access to that whenever you want is kind of like my cup of coffee on starting the day of Reagan over again. Without a doubt, we always have known that it's worth it. We've never challenged that at all. But even if you're having a great day, still be able to have that opportunity to look back at those notes and see like, this was our parenting that helped do this. This was the wonderful intervention of the school district. You got to always try and think of the positives because darn tootin, the negatives will outweigh the positives in the beginning. It just will. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. And it doesn't mean that you don't want your child. It's just a hard fact. It's true.
0: That's really good advice from both of you guys. Thank you. I appreciate you guys taking the time to share with us and being so open with us and letting us get to know Reagan a little bit. Thank you for honoring us with your story. (laughs) Thank you for letting us share it. We appreciate it. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. You can find all the links and show notes for today's episode at amazinglyordinarylife.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you left a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. As always, I would love to hear your story. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact me at my website or email me at at Yahoo.com. Don't miss next week's episode where we'll be bringing back Carly Lobbs. She's going to be sharing with us her blog titled The Parachute Project, where she teaches parents how to do self-care. You definitely don't want to miss out. I hope you'll join me then.